as the earth is carbon bombed by poisons. I keep it safe. I keep it clean. I keep it here inside with Mega 64 and T. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. You're gonna get a tummy ache because you ate too much. I predict you're gonna get COVID-19 because you ain't vaccined. I predict. Are you gonna get sick? Are you gonna get sick? Are you gonna get sick? I predict. Hey. Johnny just watched the Sparks documentary. I, did. I, I didn't. To, to heck with Sparks. Yeah, f*** those guys. Don't say the F word. Ooh. What's your problem, dude? It is the first... Well, I think we passed the first 30 seconds. I'll bleep it. They, they, can, they can catch bleeps, and they we, can catch bloops. We've been getting demonetized so hard on the show. I don't know if we want to get into that. We're, I wasn't going to get into it, but I might as well. Welcome, everybody, to the most demonetized show on YouTube. You're watching Mega64 Quarantine, a.k.a. Quarantine Cast. This is the show that nobody out there wants you to handle. watch. YouTube has been trying to shut us down left and right. We don't even know why. I don't even know what the problem is. They're making up all this yeah. BS Bull crap. Bull crap. We're getting striked on this show left and right for stuff we're not even doing. Yeah. For things we're not even saying. Things I'm not even showing. For example, we got like a copyright claim on a Swedish pop song. Yeah. We didn't play no dang Swedish pop music <laughs> on this show. It was Are for you that video me? of the lady who was like, you, I don't want to, you mother effer. Oh, there I, wasn't I even any up. music in that. And if there was, it was playing in the background of a video where a woman was clearly screaming, mother effer, you're an effing accuser of the <laughs> a, a brethren. Um, it's, it was so that's crap and then and then that was a couple episodes back last week we got slammed with this yeah no demonetize yeah. not advertiser friendly age gated yeah age gated and then they wouldn't even tell us why and frankly last week's episode was wholesome very wholesome very very wholesome. Just like this week's episode. We went out of our way to not show anybody getting injured or possibly dying or even talk about even as much as potentially it hurt me to not show those. I pushed through it. We intentionally <laughs> toned it down. Yeah. Only to have YouTube Big Brother tell us we're inappropriate for their advertisers. AKA were inappropriate for their viewers. Yeah. Aka, AKA Aka, you guys. Yeah. They don't think you can handle what we're talking about on this show. And they've told us as much for multiple weeks in a row. Well, you know what, YouTube? I don't give an F. F off. Yeah. You, you hear that, Susan? You yeah. listen to that, Susan? Susan, YouTube. Susan, YouTube. We're going to continue to do the show. We're going to continue to do it. I don't care if it's demonetized. Yeah. I guess we're doing it for fun. For free. For free. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're here just to have fun today. We're here to kick it with some buds. Uh, we ain't getting paid to do this. <laughs> I'm fired up. Not yeah. that I care because 
honestly, I don't even look at that stuff, but to find yeah. out that it's been demonetized, you were the one who told me week after week after week. Then I started to take it personally. Yeah. I'm just not sure what YouTube does like behind the scenes. Like, do they show it? Do they serve it up less if less if it gets demonetized? I'm not sure. It doesn't feed into the algorithm. Yeah. It doesn't get discovered. No. They're trying to hold us back. They're they're holding us back. They're trying to keep us down. This show is uh, you know, too good and the world needs to see it. This show is too good to fail. It's gonna take us a little while to get over, but then we're gonna get over big time and yeah. we're gonna be superstars. Because of content like this, hit him with it, Johnny. Oh. Yeah, I is, see it. This is uh, Andrew uh, Giuliani uh, being mad about his dad getting disbarred. Hi, my fellow Americans. Today it's my fellow Americans, not just my fellow New Yorkers. As you may have heard recently. I uh, like the cinematography ago, here. My father's law license was suspended. Yeah, nothing really funny happens City. in this video. It's just, just the head yeah, space. It's just like, why did he film this? Why are Your tripod's too big, Andrew. I have a theory that he just set this up on his car. Andrew, you want to put it on the hood of your car, not on the roof. Judith. <laughs> And judge Can't even read. Barbara I would Cameron maybe practice pronunciation a little bit. You know, he's not a professional filmmaker. He's no. not a professional actor. Um, he definitely like leaks hair dye a lot less often than his dad. Yeah. And I'm a little bit disappointed that he's legitimately outdoing his father when it comes to parking lot selection because he got like a nice yeah, woodland parking lot. It's kind of serene. Nothing like the porn shop from the last parking lot I remember seeing Rudy Giuliani. This is definitely a golf course, right? This is unacceptable. I don't know, you know, it might be a nice I nature trail. Maybe mom. he's going to go for a jog in this suit just to <laughs> uh, get all the stress out. You can see this this guy uh, just running through the woods. I wish that there was someone else filming him from far away. What kind of comb do you need to get your hair that wiry? I don't know. There's like a combination. That's like five straight minutes of hairspray and combing. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, I'm surprised. Yeah, he, I think... He's going to be a problem. I could see it. I see it coming. He's, he's going to be a silly guy. I mean, I think it'd be a treat. Let's not forget that Rudy Giuliani hosted SNL and was Ooh, hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Just such a treat. <laughs> um, it's been hard times out there and a lot of people lost their job. Yes. And, you know, you want to go to a bar where everybody knows your name. You want to have? Maybe that's why we got demonetized. Yeah, because my singing too is too good. You're is, like like perfect pitch. Yeah, copyright claim. My <laughs> singing. You want to have that communal experience, but you don't have the money. Yeah. I have your solution, folks. What's that? Because there's a bar in Massachusetts that will be that has been accepting Monopoly money. Yeah. Fuck yeah. You heard right. Uh. They, I guess, in a bid to get included in a local edition of uh, Monopoly, this place called Ralph's Tavern was holding an event where for two hours they were accepting Monopoly money uh, to pay for food and beverages at the tavern. You, that's, that's cool. That's a good yeah. deal. But do you have a copy of Monopoly? No. Yeah. Which means you'd have to run out and spend real money just to get the Monopoly dollars how? To spend at the bar. Yeah, I would have to like go to my grandma's house or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to rob your yeah. grandma 
of her monopoly. Dude. You're like getting in there. And then if your grandma sees you, she's going to be like, oh, Johnny, uh, you'd break her heart. So you got to put this mask on. Yeah. And you got to, you know, get the crowbar out and very quietly <laughs> kink open grandma's window yeah. and start prowling in there. You're like, oh, fuck, dude. A fucking operation. Get the fucking battleship. Oh, yeah, baby. It's the monopoly money. You start getting the 500s and the hundreds. You could walk out with like $10,000. Go have a good night at the bar. Yeah. The, the, the bar's going to build so many fucking hotels. It's going to be wild. I hope Ralph's Tavern uh, gets Ralph's on the uh, local edition of Monopoly. And I wouldn't mind owning that copy of Monopoly. Me too. What, what is that called? The show. Um, like. It just, it just said, uh, it just said Massachusetts. Oh, so Massachusetts. I guess it's the entire state of Massachusetts. Do they make state versions of, uh, according to this story, they do. Damn, Parker Brothers out here trying to get people to buy games they're never going to play. Yeah. Um, speaking of Parker Brothers coming out here trying to get you, this next story yeah. is terrifying. I was, gonna, I was trying to think of the right word, but I think scary. Scary is the word to describe this one. Advertisers, researchers are warning that advertisers cons- might start coming for you in your dreams. Like that Futurama episode? What's the Futurama Futurama episode? Yeah, he uh he starts having dreams about advertise like his dreams have advertisements in them. I guess there are reports recently. Yeah. That companies like Xbox, Coors, and Burger King okay. have been teaming up with scientists uh researching something they call dream incubation advertising. That literally happened in Futurama. That's wild. Where they attempt to engineer advertisements into consumers' dreams by playing audio and video clips. I don't like that. While people are asleep. Now, a team of 40 dream researchers are coming out with an open letter calling on regulations, regulations for dream incubation advertising. Um, They worry that these companies- We are the virus. Yes. They worry that these companies might start using smart devices like um, Alexa and, uh, you know, your smart speakers and stuff Mm -hmm. to monitor your sleep cycles so that they will know when you're asleep and start subtly just putting out Santa Claus subliminal messages so that you're dreaming of a Coors Light so that you're dreaming of getting a Whopper. Uh, I I think that's pretty crazy. I think that's pretty uh, psychotic and and like unethical. Stop, don't, don't, don't fuck with our brain chemistry. I'm trying to like, you know, uh, Gabe Newell, refresh. when, when, uh, the, the, the recent half-life game came out for VR, yeah, he kept saying really scary things that really haunted me for a while where he was just like, they were like, like, Oh, the, you know, the VR, is that the future? And he was like, it's really easy to program a human brain to thinking that it feels heat or cold. And the, the interviewer was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, he <laughs> he kept saying shit like that. Guy. He was like, yeah, it's really easy to trick the brain. Um, we have an interview as well today. If you want to bring, Oh, did up. Gabe Newell say that we have Gabe Newell? Uh, no, we have a friend of the show director, Brendan steer on the horn director of such films as Velocipaster. You're kind of making this awkward, bro. 
Sorry. Yeah. It's, I'll, it's I'll pass it off to you. You're, you're the better uh, uh, okay. setter up. Well, there. you went from a hard Gabe Newell scary interview. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm sorry, I forgot that. Into our interview. Our interview today is a lot less terrifying than Gabe Newell talking about virtual reality. Yeah. Because we are talking to Johnny's friend. Uh, yeah, the director of Velocipaster. Um, we sat down with Brendan um, and kind of talked about, well, yeah. We talked about a lot, but a running theme on this show is that we are super unprofessional and the audio quality is terrible and we don't know how to do our jobs well. What? And we lost the first 10 minutes of this interview. Yeah. Sadly. But we made up for it. Well, we attempted to talk about how a person goes from just fucking around in art school, in film school, Having some ideas that are pretty crazy and honestly, um, you know, stuff that maybe a lot of people wouldn't really think would go very far. Yeah. An idea like Velocipaster. How do you get a movie like that made and then have it turn into this cultural phenomenon where it's on Amazon Prime, it's getting, it's tearing through the film festival circuit. Uh, we actually got all kinds of wild stories from Ben and about stuff like Oh, um, you know, this politician in Spain started getting called the Velocipaster and that made the movie more famous. Mm -hmm. It was a conversation about kind of the cultural zeitgeist behind his movie, how that happened, how he made the movie. Uh, it's a story that involves perhaps the Chinese mafia, yeah. uh, getting thousands of dollars in text messages, um, convincing your school to fund a dinosaur suit that they don't use and you steal it and save it for years and years and years. It's a really, really fascinating interview. Oh, yeah, it's great. We're going to hop into it right now, but I will say it's going to start a little rough. You're going to start mid-conversation. Yeah. Um, Similar, you know, that's how Joe Rogan does it, so uh, we, you know, we wanted to do that style. We were talking about how you guys met yeah, in we, film school. Yeah, we went to film school together, and we were just kind of reminiscing. Um, Apparently, you guys would hang out in... Uh, class together that he yes. wasn't in but you were or vice versa yeah i uh he would be in my production class a lot and we, we'd hang out uh with uh my teacher chris newman famous sound person chris newman he did sound on uh the godfather the exorcist he has an oscar shouts out chris newman maybe we should be interviewing chris newman i could probably get him but he fucking hated me that's a, that's a tangent for another day. <laughs> we'll save that story for when we come back. Um, enjoy this conversation we have with the director of Velocipaster, Velocipaster, Brendan Steer. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. And uh, as, as is apparent in Velocipaster where... Uh, the whole point of the movie in many ways is to is to like break that apart. <laughs> it's like and just sort of be like, yeah, there's no CGI. It's a person in a costume and it sucks and I love it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no attempt at realism, I will say. Um, you know, I watched it and at no point did I ever think, where's the CGI in this movie? You know, I was yeah. never expecting CGI and I didn't yeah. and I didn't miss it. So. No, me neither. Me neither. I, um, I remember very early on somebody asked me if um if the dinosaur was gonna be CGI. And I was like, fuck no, what are you talking about? That's like that's like the whole point of the movie is to have it be not that. Yeah. Uh, is it definitely it benefits be... from from 
actually having a dinosaur on set. Yeah. Yeah, something handmade, something physical that uh, like the audience can look at and sort of puzzle out how you even get inside of it. Like like that's kind of part of the fun of it, I think. Uh Yeah. Where did you uh where did you get that Velocipaster, the the raptor costume? Did you make that yourself? No. So, uh <laughs> this is this is strange. Um when I was in when I was in high school, um, that I was a member of the film club, uh, and every year we did a, a movie. Um, and one year we had budget, and uh, it, we were going to do a remake of a movie called The Last Dinosaur from the seventies. Um, and the class advisor uh, paid some dude in Pennsylvania seven thousand bucks to make that costume uh, with the school's money. <laughs> So uh, we ended up not shooting The Last Dinosaur because the script was too violent, said the principal. But he did not ask for the costume back. So that costume just stayed in my basement for the better part of a decade. (laughs) And is there to this day. I I have no idea who made it. Um, I just think it's an incredible score it's like a member of my family now so you basically (laughs) built your whole career off of some (laughs) random occurrence that happened to you in high school yeah film club yeah dude (laughs) that's uh fate really there's no other word for it it was meant to be i like to think so i i i just sort of am like oh so also i should mention here um the this is actually the Velocipaster feature. I is the second version of it. I had done a short, a fake trailer for it, um, in 2011 using the same costume. Okay. Because um, it was right around the time Grindhouse came out. That was like really um novel to me at that time. Still, uh, like making a fake trailer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and when I put it uh, online, it was the first video that I had made essentially that had over like, you know, 15 views. Uh, it was for me, at the, it got about like 30, 40 K. Um, and for me, especially at the time, I was just like, holy shit, that's viral, you know, yeah. <laughs> because it was like when everything else on my channel was like literally, I don't know, like 11 views. And there was one that was in the tens of thousands. It just felt like, oh my God. Uh, we were featured. We were featured on G Four uh, gaming oh, yeah. television, nice. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I. That was the first time I tried to kickstart it um, back in 2011, and it and it didn't go, and so I shelved it. I made Animosity, um, and after Animosity, which is a very, uh, you know, dark and disturbing horror. Oh, film, I'm so I'm sorry, Velocipaster. The idea came before Animosity. It did. It did. So, um, so the whole Velocipaster thing, just to recap what you just said, you had yes. the costume grindhouse came out and you just thought cool trail, fake trailers are cool. I'm going to use my school's costume and make a fake trailer. Essentially. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the original Velocipaster trailer, how long was that? Four minutes, four minutes. And did it have the same actor in it? 
No, um, actually, the only holdover is the costume, I think. Wow. I think the costume is the only thing that's the same in both. And I guess your brother is in it as well, right? He's that is true. That is, uh... Oh, my God. Actually, yeah, that's true. My my dad is in both. Ooh, in the yeah. original trailer, the guy who plays Father Stewart, who is my biological father, <laughs> um, oh, is wow. uh, he makes a brief appearance in it. He, like, runs by and gets eaten by the costume. Um, so yeah, they are the only two holdovers. Is that trailer still online? It is. Yeah. 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 You can find it. It, It's a little hard to, it's definitely at my YouTube channel. Um, but of course, if you look up Velocipaster trailer now, it, 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 you'll get the other one. The feature link. Um, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. You can still find that. It's still online. Wow. Okay. So you made that trailer. You tried to kickstart it. That didn't really work out. Then you do a Kickstarter for animosity. You get 14 K you make animosity. It's your film school thesis. Everybody in your film school is like, this guy made a fucking movie. That's what I said. He's the number one student in our class. That's what I said. (laughs) So exactly. Johnny actually cornered me. Yeah, in my I dorm did. room and just kept screaming that at me. I punched just the wall as, next to your head. How was, was like, the movie? How, how was animosity received? <laughs> oh, well, it, it was received well, um, critically. The problem was, uh, the problem with animosity as a film is that it, uh, it's very good, but something happens about halfway through the movie that changes the entire movie, right? it recontextualizes everything you just saw and makes the rest of the movie interesting and good. Um, but unfortunately that occurs about 50, uh, like five zero minutes into the movie. So you can't put that in the pitch. So the pitch sounds like a couple moves to a house in the middle of the woods and bad things happen. And it's like, that's the most boring pitch in the fucking world. So of course <laughs> nobody saw it because nobody knew who I was. And Mm -hmm. so it was just like with a pitch like that, you basically got to be like a couple moves to the house in the middle of the woods and it and bad things happen. Trust me, I'm good at this. You know, like that that pitch might work. (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, because it was my first feature and because there were no stars in it or anything, uh, basically nobody saw it. Um, So for the second feature, um, I learned my lesson. And I was sort of like, what's the most pitchable movie I could have made? Okay. Like, what's the one where the log line yeah. will immediately tell people? And if you already not? had this viral trailer, right? Exactly. And I, I honestly, the other thing was truly, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, I, I kept coming up with more ideas for Philosophaster. So as much as I sort of wanted to originally, when I first got out of film school, be like a very serious horror director. Um, I decided it was like genuinely more artistically true to myself to make Velocipaster. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. <laughs> I, I was sort of like, this actually, yeah, this actually is like what I think I'm supposed to do right now kind of thing. Um, cool. So um, yeah. did you try, that's when you did your second Kickstarter for Velocipaster? Correct. How'd that go? Was it like, hey, Uncle Bob, animosity was a big hit. We need your support on our next film. Was that yeah. essentially the route? Kind of. I, I, I was also sort of just like, I don't know. I, I, I was in a really not a great place personally. So I, I didn't like devote a whole ton of time to running the Kickstarter. 
or, or, yeah. or the crowdfunder, I should say. Um, but the one thing the, the crowdfunder did bring us is our lead actor, who happened to work at the company called Seed and Spark, and literally yeah. wrote me an email once we posted it on the site and was like, hey, I know this is weird. Uh, my name's Greg. Um, I'm an actor, too, and I'd really love to audition for your movie. And I was sort of like, all right, crowdfunder guy, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he sent in a self-tape, and I was immediately like, fuck, that's the guy. Like, that's him. That is the dude. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're really close friends now. So um, I'm, I'm happy uh, that the crowdfunder failed because it brought us Greg. And I, I think he makes the movie what it is in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, he's great. Yeah. He is. He's great. He's probably he's the yeah. the I mean, lead actor for a reason. Uh, he's yeah, the glue. he he is. He is. <laughs> and, and he you know what it was, is he immediately understood the Shatner thing. <laughs> like He immediately understood how to deliver a line in a way that is both like almost painfully sincere but also like a little off like there's something like a little wrong about the delivery yeah and he he is in fact a very capable and good actor uh he's you know that is part of his performance is he's definitely doing that on purpose <laughs> uh and yeah he's just a very very talented man and a hell of a nice guy Dude, that's great. So you met your main actor from this Kickstarter, but you didn't have any funding for the film. So where do you go yeah. from there? Well, because <laughs> everything in the making of this movie is like some sort of bizarre cosmic joke. <laughs> um, the the woman I was seeing at the time, uh, her mom happened to be well connected in the Chinese art world. Um, oh. And uh, <laughs> her mom... Uh, you know, I, I had, of course, I was living with with this woman at the time, so mm. she was aware I was like kind of struggling. She was aware that like I, I had written the script and I just didn't know what to do with it. So her mom sent me a text and was like, hey, from Germany and was like, hey, how much money do you need to make the movie? And, you know, as I'm sure you guys know, when you people will sometimes come to you with things like this and it never goes anywhere. Like it's always somebody very well-meaning that is will hear the amount you actually need and and then be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> um, and so I said back to Martina, um, you know, I think we could do it for like thirty, thirty-five thousand. And four hours later, that money was in my bank account uh, because there wow, was yeah. a rich Chinese woman who wanted to invest in a film. I think it was money laundering. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. She never yeah. asked for anything. And after a year stopped communicating with me, the investor, not my girlfriend's mom. Um, um, and so, yep. so was there any sort of like a, a arrangement in place? Like this person is going to own a part of the movie. They're the executive producer. They want a credit. Nothing. Did this when investor wanted, even get a credit in the film? She does. She does. Okay, uh, what okay. she wanted, but she did not ask for it. I put it there because wow. I thought it was the right thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, what she asked for was Chinese distribution, right? Okay. And so after, and I was like, fucking fine. Like nobody's ever going to see this movie. So why not? Wow. Uh, Can we just pause? And, and uh, I just want to acknowledge 
Your movie got funded because some random person text messaged you, how much money do you need? And then gave you that number in exchange for quote unquote Chinese distribution (laughs) rights. Which as an American (laughs) filmmaker coming out of film school, who the fuck cares about Chinese distribution rights? I mean, Marvel cares. Yeah. What are you like making the great wall with fucking Mark Wahlberg? Like (laughs) Chinese distribution. Who gives a shit? I, that was sort of how I felt. And I was kind of like, you know, truly, if you, if you, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. Yeah. But if you had told me in 2015, when all of this started going down, that like Velocipastor was going to be the film that like blew up, yeah. I, I would not have believed you. So to me at the time, I was just like, I just want to make another movie. I'm going to make this, this one. And then I'll probably move on to something more serious that like, you know, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, sure enough, that is how it got funded. Wow. <laughs> it got funded by a rando who I have never met. Actually, I'm not entirely sure she speaks English. Bro. Um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, you ever read that I know. book, The Secret? Yes. I never <laughs> yeah. believed in it until this conversation. Yeah, Brendan willed this into existence. I don't believe in manifesting until I talked to the guy who just decided, I'm going to make a movie about a raptor priest. Who's going to fund it? And China. Just, some investor from China, China text messages you. <laughs> and, yeah. and like somebody, yeah. And, and honestly, it's so funny because so much, so much of Velocipastor was like that. It was the easiest shoot I've ever been on. Like, like everything went right for this movie. <laughs> yeah, you got the poster there too. The yeah, I love wow. this poster. I, 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 um, a guy in the UK uh, drew that for us. His name's Michael Gangriel. I love that, that, um, that mock-up of it. But yeah, uh, yeah he uh, truly nothing went wrong. It, it was like astonishing. I, I, I kept sort of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I kept waiting for um, a scene to not work or not be funny or, or just whatever. Um, and yeah, that never happened. I, I, I don't know. It was it was truly um, miraculous, if you will. Yeah. And so oh, oh, go ahead. What I was going to say, I, I really love how uh, after the film came out, didn't it sort of become a meme? in mexico or something if you could elaborate on that (laughs) so once the film came out oh oh, so really quick um thing at the timeline uh just to put it all in context for people so we shot in 2016 um i edited the film later that year uh and we premiered in portland oregon in 2017 uh and nothing happened. <laughs> it okay. was sort of like why Portland? Were you case. just submitting to any film festival you could? Correct. Okay. Um, and they were the most prestigious one that that would sort of take it. Um, mm. and it was a wonderful film festival. They were they were really nice people. But you know, okay. Uh, and I think we got into like three or four festivals. It was something like that. Um, I know we were up at Buffalo Dreams in Buffalo, New York. There there are like a couple that we went to. But, um, you know, it, it did okay. Uh, we secured distribution, and that was that. Uh, when the film went, like, viral, um, the way that happened was twofold. It was 
festival coordinators talking, actually. I kept getting all of these emails from other festival coordinators that I did not submit to being like, hey, we saw your trailer. My buddy that runs this festival said your film like fucking killed. Do you mind if we play it? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, I just sort of am like, yeah, this is good. Uh, And the other thing was our distribution company, uh, Wild Eye uh, Distribution, they did their version of the poster that became the meme um, and they released it on April 20th, 2019, which was the day before Easter. So it was 4.20 and it was <laughs> Easter weekend. And yeah. it just, I do not, I, I can only assume that was planned by them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it came out and that was when it sort of like took off and went viral. Um, including uh, in Spain, because Spain at the time was having presidential elections, and one of the candidates was apparently an ex-priest who was um, very right-wing, almost fascist. And so one of their political reporters, I translated her article and was kind of like, um, what she was saying was sort of like, I don't agree with anything this man says. I think he's going to be terrible for our country. And, you know, on the Internet today, I actually saw a trailer for some movie called Velocipaster. And I think this dude's the real Velocipaster. And so wow. for uh, a week or two, they called him that. <laughs> That's like amazing. It was astonishing. It, it was like it, it really it was after after that fateful 420 <laughs> was Dude. when uh, things really turned around and and it sort of it became um, an actual sort of internet-wide meme. Yeah, um, and then the rest yeah. is history, because it was released, <laughs> and everybody saw it. Um, is there an, uh, another Velocipaster in the works? Are you, are you making an, a sequel? Yeah, we're actually um, um, negotiating funding now, um, which is very exciting. I... I uh, is this a, is this a known thing? Has this been announced? Do people know about the the sequel? I believe so. Okay, okay, we're not breaking I don't know. news. It, it's here. always it's always very strange to me because okay. I um I still <clears throat> put it this way. I remember that I wrote a script called Outback Dracula with Jesse, um, and I tweeted a video of me doing the first printing of it that was just going to go through and like you know. Uh, do script edits and within four or five hours of me posting that um some some major like news site was like the director of the velocipaster announced his next project and i'm like i did not i was printing a script (laughs) so um uh but yeah it it was uh so i'm still getting used to that honestly I'm, i'm still not entirely it's very weird to me that that I am somewhat of a fringe figure in film now. Uh, I, it's incredible. It's humbling. Um, but it's also sort of like fucking weird. I, I'm still I'm still navigating that a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, we are doing the Velocipaster 2 and I am very excited for it. I we finished the script maybe a month or two ago and okay. I feel just really strongly about it. I, I'm I'm. I think it'll fucking blow people away. I'm very, very excited. Um, did COVID get in the way at all of um, production? God, yes. Um, so, <laughs> so the funny thing was, um, the original plan was to make 
Outback Dracula, mm. the sequel. It was sort of going to be like a, an anthology series, basically, okay. like like where each one is just a different wacky tale, um, sort of in the same tone, you know. Right. Uh, and we we had uh, somebody had committed to um, a a quite large budget for it, and they had to back out because of COVID. Um, and it just fell through. So such things happen. But the other thing, and I was devastated. I have gotten over it, but, <laughs> but I, it was not, it was not, I, I'm being very flippant about it now, but it, it was, it was rough. You uh, secured funding for, for the sequel and then COVID hit and your, your investor pulled funding for your movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Correct. Um, what because it was. Move? Well, and to to their credit, they were sort of like, "Hey, look, they were they were a smaller company, okay, and they were kind of like, "Hey, look, um, it's July, and uh, nothing's changing, and uh, we might have to go bankrupt." <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was like okay. one of those things. It Did was you like, try it and tell them like, "I'll wait. I'll film it right now." Was that ever it's, an option? I. I honestly, it was not. Okay. I, I was, I was too sort of like, it was also at the height of the George Floyd protests. Mm. It was like sort of everything. It was in that period of COVID where everything just felt brutally uh, dark. Yeah. Um, like the world was falling apart. A little it's bit. Not the yeah, time to make yeah. Velocipaster 2. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing was that, um, the other thing that occurred to me once they dropped out um, was that basically one of the other odd things about Velocipasser um, as just a project was the final time we sort of took a step, we, we leveled up in virality, I guess, was um, at the very, very beginning of 2020. It was okay. uh, January. Um, somebody posted it on Reddit. Um, and I jumped in and did an AMA okay. and that, uh, that was sort of the biggest viral push because at that moment, the first time I went viral, it was just the poster and the trailer. Um, when it went viral on Reddit, it was out on Amazon prime. So people could actually watch it. Like, mm -hmm. and so I did that AMA, I think for 13 hours, um, talking to responding to every comment, talking to every person, um, telling them to show their friends, uh, they would come back with questions having watched it during the convo, you know, it was yeah. so fun. Um, but what that meant was that maybe a month after that AMA happened, uh, COVID happened. Oh. And so all of these people had added it to their Amazon queue. Okay. And so, uh, over the course of COVID very, very consistently, um it sort of just kept going up like like slowly but steadily more and more people would watch it more and more people would write to me and be like i'm actually happy that it came out when it did because or hit when it did because um the most it's a very silly movie and it i love that about it and the most common thing that somebody would say to me in a dm was like Hey, my entire month has been awful, and this was the only thing that made me happy this month. So thanks. 
And, and I was yeah. sort of like, that was, it was a really beautiful thing to receive pretty consistently during COVID. Um, especially when I myself, of course, as everybody was, was struggling with what it all meant. Uh, so it sort of, it helped a lot. It, it helped me personally. And of course it was good for the movie because it's like yeah. when everybody's trapped inside with nothing to do, it's like, why not watch the, the dinosaur <laughs> priest film? Yeah. I Might feel just like, have fun. I, I feel like this is another like secret moment. Cause um, like you, you did get funding, but for a, a, an anthology film and now you have all these new fans and new people uh, to go along with you as you make Velocipaster two. And I feel like that's just going to you make it even more successful now. I, I, Thank you. I hope so. I, I my genuine feeling with it is sort of like I want to make it, of course, fun and funny again. It's a comedy. It's yeah. a sequel to the philosopher. <laughs> but at the same time, there's part of me that wants to be like, uh, yeah, to to not fuck around. To be like, yeah, I shot Velocipaster in 2016. It's 2021. I am five years older. I've changed. Things have changed. The world has changed. And like to have it kind of reflect that would be very fun and cool. Um, and if I can do that while still making it funny, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> so I'm hoping that it'll it'll come together the way I, I see it. And I'm confident. It, but uh, I just don't know when we'll fucking shoot it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, things are starting to go seemingly back to normal now. At least here in yeah. California, things are opening up. So, Yeah, it seems like everybody communally in Los Angeles decided that the pandemic was over last week. Yep. And honestly, I'm like not opposed <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of like, I'm like I was in I mean, Los Angeles last weekend and it was crazy <laughs> crazy I was in little Tokyo and then I went down to Santa Monica at the pier yeah. and both of those places were like comic con thousands yeah. of people it was yeah. insanity it I, I was at I was in little Tokyo this weekend too actually <laughs> and Ooh, uh, briefly awesome. and it was oh yeah, yeah were you was... lining up to go into to, to uh, anime jungle because uh, I was, you know, and it was like an hour wait. I felt like I was at Disneyland. Like I, we're, we're, we're all going to Wall Scrolls. We're all going here. Look at Wall Scrolls. Yeah. Like for you know real? what's funny? I I almost went into Anime Jungle, and I took one look down into like that little basement area, and I was yeah. like, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brendan's good out here, dude. I lined I up thinking this line will go fast, yeah. and literally like forty five minutes later, I was halfway through it. Like, uh, okay, that's an hour of my life. I'm not getting back. Let's get out of here. <laughs> that was I I I went through that once, which was not at uh, not in Little Tokyo, not at Anime Jungle, but if for Amoeba. Uh, oh. When Amoeba Records reopened, yeah. uh, it was like the second or third day. And I was like, it, it, that that to me, um, emotionally, was like the end of the pandemic when, when Amoeba opened again. Okay. Um, and so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to Amoeba. I'm going to Amoeba. And I stood in that line for almost three hours to go Jesus to Amoeba. Christ. It was like, and it was totally a sunk cost fallacy. It was the same thing where yeah. I was just sort of like, this will go fast. And then after like 90 minutes, I'm like, well, I've been here out. for 90 minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it, at this point, I'm going to be more angry if I walk away than if I just stick it out. It's a bummer. Um, like after all this quarantine, this is the society we return to. 
waiting in line to go shop for anime and records. Yep. It's so. To, oh, so oh, please now. Oh, I went to a museum yesterday and I was baffled. Like the, the mass mandate has been uh, done for like one day. Yeah. And uh, to see just so many people be like, yeah, fuck it. It's over. Boom. I'm out here. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing people coughing and shit. I'm like, bro, this is, we're still in this and you put your fucking mask yeah. back on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, I must um, admit, I do still wear the mask. Uh, oh, same. I, I'm sort of like n less so outside. But um, mm -hmm. if it's an interior environment, I'm Same. just sort of like, I've been vaccinated for months, but, um, you know, the real shitty thing is that it's actually because it became politicized. It, yeah. it is also like a very strange statement that you have to sort of make yeah. uh, or, or, or at least be cognizant of. So it's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see. It's I love gonna be we've gone all the way around the world around. from like, don't force me to wear a mask to, I don't even want you wearing a mask. Yeah. Don't force me to wear a mask, but also you're an idiot if you do wear one. <laughs> yeah. So. And uh, also to, to the other side of it where people are like, let's just keep the masks. And I'm like, I don't want to. I yeah. actually don't. <laughs> like, I really don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I am. I'm grateful for the protection they offered me. Um, and I will continue to wear it probably for a month or so. But I'm sort of like, yeah, I, I am looking forward to being able to remove it. I must admit. <laughs> I'm not, not the fun. like all or nothing type yeah. of person. Everything's not black and white to me. It's yeah. not like throw the mask in the garbage or uh, bolt it to your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like I'll put it on when I think I need it. And I'll take it off yeah. when I feel cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like um, it's contextual <laughs> to what yeah. situation you're in. <laughs> what Go a figure. wonder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brendan, it has been a wonderful conversation, and we really appreciate yes. you coming on here and telling us kind of everything about Velocipaster, your journey from before, during, and after. I think it, your story is super inspiring to, to filmmakers out there who have an idea that they think is psychotic, that they think <laughs> will never get made. Like, uh. who on earth will fund my movie? China. Listen to your story. And I think the moral is, don't worry about that. Yeah. Just, just move forward and see what happens. Yeah, I... I I agree with you, honestly. I, I, I think that, um, look, there, I am lucky. I, a part of it is luck. Um, uh, and that's just true. It's the capriciousness of the internet. Like, mm -hmm. I think the virality was to a degree luck. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this. Uh, you, as an artist, as a filmmaker, do, to an extent, make your own luck. Like, yeah, you have yeah. to show up for it. Um, like, when that AMA happened, uh, I found out about that because my friend's husband texted me and was like, hey, dude, your movie poster's on the front page of Reddit. I was driving for Postmates at that moment, and I pulled over into a McDonald's, and I spent four hours in that parking lot because that was work. Yeah. I was suddenly like, to keep this going, I need to appear for this. Um, and I think the other thing is endurance. I, I, I really think it's, um, there were, it, it is just moving forward and understanding that the movie that will hit 
or if something will hit is completely unpredictable. Like, yeah. like completely unpredictable. <laughs> I, I, I truly did not. You never even thought your movie would hit. I, I know. Yeah, I did not. I was just sort of like, this is something I need to do. And I think the world will be better if I do it. Like, like, you know, make the thing you want to see in a theater. And eventually, if you do it, um, I think long enough and with enough good intentions, um, people will eventually respond. I, I really do think that that's sort of, it's that plus a bit of luck. And um, I don't know, that, that's how I got here. <laughs> I've heard that, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that luck is preparation meets timing. Yeah. That when, yeah. It, when the opportunity arrives at the right time, if you're prepared to take it, then that's a really lucky moment. In, uh, in film school, I felt like Brendan was the only one who was like, completing scripts it was always a lot of people be like this is my idea this is this and brendan's like here's my feature here's a second feature like he was always writing and i feel like it's just a matter of time huh. <laughs> yeah get it, it done. is yeah and the other thing is um you know to to that endurance and to what what johnny's talking about it's like one thing that drove me crazy in film school was when um was when people would make really good films and then not finish yeah. them like like um I, I knew so many talented filmmakers that would like make this really good work um and then kind of hoard it on a hard drive mm. um and sometimes the film was legitimately unfinished and and you know maybe you shouldn't show it <laughs> but there were other times that the film was fine and they should have put it online because you never know which one will go and it, I think part of the creative process, part of becoming a better filmmaker is kind of gauging that interest. Yeah. It, it's, it is the shitty process of sitting in a theater for the first time you screen a film and being terrified. <laughs> because let me tell you, you'll remember what they laugh at and you'll remember the parts they don't. And you will go home and you will change your edit. <laughs> and it's like that stuff's important, but you have to you have to put it out there. You have to put it into the world. Otherwise, it's never going to, you know, it's it's never going to help you on a hard drive. Um, and it might not help you in the real world, but it might. And so I, I think that there's there's value in um, in in completion, honestly, in, in in like getting it done, putting it somewhere. And yeah, moving on or following up or whatever the hell you need to do. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah. there you just said it. And I feel like that's that's beautifully. the beautifully put. And I feel like we should end on that note. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug, Brendan? Before yeah. Where can people find your movies or your social media? Yeah, um, I am at Brendan Steer um, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I, I just got a TikTok Hell and yeah. I only post videos of my typewriter, I think. <laughs> nice. it, uh, it, I, I don't quite get TikTok yet, but um, I do have one. And uh, so that's where I am. The film is The Velocipaster. It's at The Velocipaster as one word on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, yeah, right now I'm I'm just sort of pursuing smaller personal projects, but hopefully very soon we'll have more info on VP2. 
and uh, I will definitely not be quiet about it. So yeah. if you if you guys want to find out about that, definitely follow me and follow the film. And yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated. Awesome. Well, well, we've been talking to Brendan Steer, everybody, director, writer, man behind the Velocipaster. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Brendan. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This was fun. All right, we're back, everybody. We're back. Hope you enjoyed that. Thank you to Brendan for talking to us. And yeah, that was fun. I really like that interview a lot. I feel like we we really uh, got into it. Fun time. This would make a good uh, movie. Maybe, you know, instead of a, uh, instead of a loss of pastor, whatever, make a script out of this. This is an awkward transition back into this <laughs> news story. Check this out. Police break up an exorcism in a Pennsylvania Home Depot. It just like, it, <laughs> the layers kept happening. Now, what the fuck? I'm not sure what exactly was going on here. Uh, but apparently in Lackawanna County, Pennsylvania, police were called to a Home Depot after bad behavior was reported in the lumber aisle. Apparently, according to reports, there was an exorcism being held, quote, for the trees that had been turned into lumber. Whatever that means. Is it like that video of the people who, who cried for the fa- the fallen trees? Did you ever see that video? I have not. Oh, I should pull that next um, Home Depot uh, reportedly did not press any charges, but the disorderly people were escorted out of the lumber aisle. Um, and Is reports are they uh, were having an exorcism. There's not an actual video of the exorcism. Mm-hmm. But I did find a video of the local news covering the story, okay. unironically. Yeah. They don't have any more information than I do, other than watch out when you're going to Home Depot in Pennsylvania, because apparently there are demonic possessions happening there. Demonic and crazy. the police are getting in the way of the good citizens who are trying to rectify the situation. So, okay, so they were trying to exercise the trees? Bro, have you seen The Exorcist? No. You've never seen The Exorcist? No. I've seen well, I've seen a lot of clips and, and, and sections of it. It was on TV a lot when I was a kid. Well, so I'm going to assume you don't have a familiarity with the demon Pazuzu and all of his abilities to possess not only a little girl, but Pazuzu makes the candelabra explode with fire. People okay. from the exorcist know what I'm talking about. Pazuzu's face appears in furniture. Pazuzu, the statue can appear in the little girl's bedroom randomly. You don't want to fuck with these exorcism demons. They can show up anywhere. They could even show up in the lumber aisle of Home Depot. And you know what? The friggin' cops in America are so twisted. <laughs> they're going to be on the side of the demons. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I actually had two stories. I had two oh, accounts shit. of it. Okay. I had two stories of it. Uh, speaking of demons, I think this guy has some. I'd like to know how it feels to work for the worst, most cowardly loser of a library I believe I have ever seen in my entire life. I cannot believe on your message you don't have anything about closing early for COVID or any other garbage that you guys are spewing. How about opening up and actually get some freaking work done, you losers? 
received. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's sir. This is a library. I don't know how bad you wanted. I am. <laughs> I was blown away by that. Conflicted. Yeah. Because on one hand, he wants to learn. I'm impressed by how much passion and emotion this yeah. man has invested into the public library system. <laughs> yeah. That's commendable. I wish everyone in America was as passionate about libraries Dude. as that guy is. That's true. Yeah. But maybe a little bit too impatient and unforgiving considering COVID-19. We can assume that hours everywhere are reduced, especially a place that 0.01% of the population uses yeah. like your local public library. By the way, libraries are amazing. Oh, yeah. I love libraries. Um, a lot of libraries have like DVD yeah. collections and Blu-ray collections. Some of them even have video game collections. And it's like an Ooh. old school blockbuster that's way cheaper and pretty cool. Why do I keep getting fucking messages every, today? Dude, every episode. Dude, I've been getting assaulted with like robocalls and stupid messages. Don't worry, everybody. I'm going to mute my phone live on camera <laughs> here. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of libraries have a lot of out-of-print DVDs and stuff now. Yeah, I, I think it's like it's a great resource. Turn the corner of being cool. You can find stuff that uh, is hard to find at most libraries. And uh, I feel like people steal from libraries a lot. Don't do that. Support your local libraries. Don't be like that guy, though. Don't yell at them over the phone. Uh, a search is on for a COVID-19 patient who escaped out of a sixth floor window in an Osaka hotel. That guy's dead. No. Oh. So, uh, I guess since the early days of COVID, Japan has been cracking down on people who even show symptoms, uh, isolating them and quarantining them mm -hmm. to save space in their hospitals and to utilize uh, their tourist infrastructure that would otherwise be unused. They've been putting uh, quarantined COVID patients into hotel rooms. Okay. Since there's like not a lot of travel happening, I'm sure. Not a lot of travel happening, and they're really concerned with getting COVID eradicated before the Olympics yeah. return. Uh, well, apparently this month, uh, a man in his 20s was hotelized in an Osaka hotelized. hotel on the sixth floor. And nurses were checking in on him daily when they found that he stopped responding to his daily phone calls. They went into the room and found that the window had been broken open and the man was gone. This hotel had security guards stationed at the stairs and entrances to make sure that people weren't coming and going. Uh-huh. Uh, and they had security cameras all over the hotel. Nobody saw this guy escape. Now, people in Osaka are frantically trying to locate this guy because they're worried he that he might have he might start another COVID outbreak. In Japan why before did, the Olympics. Why do you have to get out? Um, I found this story from some worldwide, uh, worldwide news media outlets, and mm -hmm. they got some uh, Japanese, like local Japanese people on the street to respond to this story. And uh -oh. I, I feel like these quotes are just some of the most like Japanese sounding oh, I'm here news for quotes ever. So uh, I'm here for this. Uh, I'm just going to read them there. Some of them are goofy. Some of them are just like kind of lame. So it's like, sounds like he's not a serious case. <laughs> That's one. Another person said, maybe he went up to the roof and had an accomplice pick, pick him up in a helicopter. Ho oh, ho. 
Here's a great one. It's a real crazy climber. It's a real crazy climber. Um, another person commented, this is like the beginning of a season of 24, a bioterrorist on the loose. That sounds more like Resident Evil. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, bioterrorist. Yeah, and uh, last one is this is how zombie movies start. So uh, <laughs> that guy that just says COVID stop. COVID stop. Wait, what is it? Huh? Oh, wait. No, COVID, COVID ninja. COVID ninja. Yeah. <laughs> COVID like ninja. And he knows it. Um, yeah. On the streets of Osaka. Osaka is standard, uh, you know, Japanese city. The streets are really small. They're like packed in with those tight alleyways. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm surprised they're having a, a tough time finding him. Isn't well, they have like six million people living there. That's true. They yeah. have those like mega structure malls mm-hmm. where um, they go vertical instead of like horizontal. Like, yeah, this guy could be anywhere, dude. He probably uh, is in a Japan has these uh, hotels by airports where like people just live there. Uh, they're like manga hotels, they're called. Yeah. And like uh, homeless people will tend to live there. They're just like well, the size of a closet. They're not homeless if you got a home. Oh, yeah. So home to people live there. People live there, we could say, <laughs> I guess is the way to put it. Um, You got another video for us? Dude, you know that spot we want to go to? The wings? Yeah, of course. Someone sent me uh, another video of said wings. And I think we've been topped here. I think we need to, if we go, we need to do something crazy. It's crushing beers. Is it legal to drink in public in wherever this is, Nashville? Yeah. Dude's just fucking crushing them. That's a cool purple shirt he's got. (laughs) I wonder if there was a line that day, dude. There's always a line. These guys are in line. How many fucking beers is it? Is he on four? Yeah, that's kind of impressive. Kind of. Yeah, it's oh, impressive in like a fucking in a fucked up way, but in I'm a, like a frat bro <laughs> kind of way. Five. Damn, he's drinking those fast. Yeah, it's a whole six pack. He looks like he's oh. drunk. I didn't have the sound on. I think he's he's saying some wacky shit. I didn't come to Nashville for a haircut, baby. <laughs> I didn't come to Nashville for a haircut, baby. Heck yeah, brother. <laughs> Look at all the chicks who were impressed. Dude. Look at this like little teenage boy. He's, He's like, like I want to be I've him. just seen a real man for the first <laughs> time in my life. Either that or maybe he's like me and he's like, cool, bro. <laughs> I feel like there should be a movie. Look that, that guy walking in the background. Like he's like, what really the impressed. Fuck? Holy shit. He just packed a six pack. <laughs> I want to see a movie where it opens with like this dude pounding a six pack and then it pans over to this kid and then it cuts to him like middle aged being like, and that was the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> That's what I knew. I wanted to be a professional drinker. <laughs> That's cool. It's a guy drinking a six pack real fast. I no, can't do that. Me either. I can't dude. I tried to uh shotgun a beer, not a beer, a seltzer on a stream once. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even do it. Oh, I could shotgun a seltzer. No problem. You want to do it? No. Oh, customer leaves a $16,000 tip on a $37 bill in New Hampshire. Cool. Was it Jeff Bezos? Uh, no, it wasn't Jeff oh. Bezos. It's an anonymous restaurant uh, patron who went to the Stumble Inn Bar and Grill in Laudenberry, New Hampshire. Uh, apparently left $16,000 tip and just said, you know, I love the staff here. I know you guys are working hard. I really want you to have this. 
Um, the staff split it up evenly amongst the eight people who were working there. Everybody cool. working that night walked away with $2,000. Damn. What would you do if you got a $2,000 tip? I don't even know. It's a tip. I would just be like, like you were just, you were expecting to get like 40 bucks or 80 bucks that night and you got like 2,000. If, if that hit me on a certain really like terrible night, I'd probably start crying. I'd probably be so happy. I'd be like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like, thank you, man. Like, I'd probably be really emotional. Yeah, but what would you do with the money? Oh, with the money? Uh, and don't ooh. say pay your rent. I mean, that's don't say happen. pay bills. Your rent and your bills are all paid for. I would get, I don't know. I'd probably just put it in my, my savings and then like it, buy video games probably. <laughs> or like, I don't know. That's a, also a trip to Japan. If there's no COVID, I would probably like travel. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would, yeah. I would go on a trip somewhere. Maybe I'd go to, uh, you know where I've always wanted to go? The Black Forest in Germany. Ooh. I want to see where all the fairy tales came from. Have you heard of that place? No. You should look it up sometime. It's like that traditional kind of spooky Hansel and Gretel type forest uh, that inspired a lot of uh, the Brothers Grimm fairy tales and famous fairy tales um, from Europe. My uh, vision of this podcast is like slowly it becomes just like Anthony Bourdain shit. Like we just go to these places and interview people. That Someday. was so hype. That's going to be season two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> quarantine cast out of quarantine. Yeah. No boundaries. Unquarantined. Unquarantined. <laughs> Dude. Speaking of uh, going to Japan, and we mentioned the Tokyo Olympics earlier, uh, the Tokyo Olympics for 2020 are trying to maintain social distancing guidelines throughout okay. the games, especially for their athletes. 200 of the world's most premier athletes uh -huh. will be coming, uh, not 200, athletes will be coming from 200 different countries. And you know, when you go to the Olympics, it's like, pardon my French, children out there plug your ears it's like a fuck fest oh yeah the uh what are they called the olympic village or whatever they all fuck each other because they're all like hot and, and jacked and they're like fuck it if you're into that kind of thing yeah. you know i see these olympians i'm like ish you ever heard of yeah they're makeup? a little too jacked yeah <laughs> a little too plain looking these yeah. guys are like y'all look like you just i don't know i'm, I'm trying to ran think. a lap i don't know y'all look like you ran a lap pumped some iron y'all look like you've uh never heard of rock and roll before no i don't know what i'm talking about anyway I mean, michael phelps fucking took bong hits so that's true michael phelps cool. is cool i take it all back i'm <laughs> i'm just talking shit grasping at straws to make fun of these olympians who are far superior like, human beings than i will ever be peak so, physical yeah i'm i'm sitting here on the sidelines the yeah. chubby guy with the wrestling shirt on <laughs> making fun of the world's uh finest humans anyways Tokyo Olympic athletes are being uh -huh. warned not to use any of the 160,000 free condoms that are being handed out in the Olympic Village because Tokyo is so stringent on their COVID policy. Okay. They are like, please do not go within six feet of each other at uh -oh. all. And then people are asking like, yeah, but you have 160,000 free condoms available. Yeah. And, and uh, the Olympic organizers are like, yeah, those are souvenirs. Don't use those. They've officially said that these condoms for the Olympics, 160,000 of them are souvenirs for them to take home. To remember their experience 
of not having sex at the Olympic Village. I, I think a better souvenir would be like a tanga or egg or some shit. Like, because like if I'm given a condom, I'm like, hell yeah, we're we're getting into some. Yeah, shit. like years from now, mm, I didn't win that gold medal. I didn't even place. It was embarrassing. Does it have like the rings on it? You're looking at the condom and you're like, yeah, but I'll always remember not getting any sex. They're gonna they're gonna have sex at that Olympics. I think they're all vaccinated. Well. <laughs> like they're they're gonna bone. That's a funny story. Um, you, oh, real quick, do you think the Olympics are gonna happen? There's so much rumors that that Japan's like, please just listen. I think absolutely it'll happen because you there's so? so much money riding yeah. on the Olympics, uh, and not only on a corporate level, but like, you know, politics are involved because these countries are co- coordinating um, to participate in this competition. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to just force it to happen. Um, Check this out. A CCTV company is offering a new service where they will monitor employees 24 hours a day with the ability to talk to them through a microphone. Uh Uh-huh. Like a ring? Like one of those, like... This is how it works. Um, The company is called... Oh no, I can't find the name of the company. Doesn't matter because they're a terrible company. <laughs> Basically, uh, shit. I, I print these stories out and then they always get cut off because there's Dude, so many like ads on all the pages. That has been happening to me too. I feel like remember back in the day when you were able to just like print a fucking web page like super easy. Yeah, you I, can't do that I, anymore. You can't do that anymore. I, I feel like maybe they set it up so you can't. Like do that. literally, most of my page is blank and it's yeah. just cutting off information. Or like there's an ad here over where the article would be. So it's I remember like, printing out like full game facts articles and I feel like you can't even do that anymore. Yeah. But essentially this is a company from India and yeah. they will monitor your employees 24 seven from India. And if they see your employees doing anything wrong, uh, the correspondent will get on a microphone and ask them what's happening. So they said that um, employees Those are get hacked immediately. Employees who could be seen like taking something without paying for it could be yelled at. Another okay. employee was talking to a guy for too long, and the voice came on and asked like what the guy was doing there, and okay. they responded to the camera. Um, oh, this is my friend. He's gonna give me a ride home. There's another instance where apparently these guys came into a Seven Eleven with like an. Uh, assault rifle and they started robbing the store and the guy on the camera told them like hey get out of here i just called the police the police have been okay. alerted and that started raising all these uh alarms with security experts who were like the silent alarm is silent for a reason yeah. you should not startle somebody with an assault rifle yeah. by shouting at them from out of nowhere i've called the police i've heard of cctv through those videos where those dudes like uh try to get revenge on those scammers yeah so like i think those are like easily accessible too i could totally see those getting hacked i also feel like this is just uh unethical and really bad for the employee's mental health to be constantly watched by um uh not even your boss somebody from a, a a farmed out company in india you know like somebody you don't even know is just cracking the whip on you Oh, it's not. I thought it was reverse. Like I thought it was like an American dude was looking at the. No. Oh, it's reverse. This company from India has somebody in India watching a computer screen 24 seven. 
watching the employees at 7-Eleven or whatever convenience store. And if they do anything that goes against the expectations of the employer, that person in India gets on the microphone and asks them, like, what are you doing? I don't like that at all. I don't like that either. Also, with like a 7-Eleven, is there like a issue with like seeing people's like credit card numbers? I think there's all kinds of issues. I used to work at a Subway. I was going to say. Back in... Um, Oh my gosh, 2002, 2003, and the owner of that subway did this. He installed a secret camera with a microphone in the store, and he would like yell at the employees for like taking breaks that were too long or doing this or doing that. And I just felt like it was a total violation of, you know, my privacy because I guess I never had an assumed right to privacy working there, but I just felt like, I didn't know that my boss would be watching me from his house, from his living room, doing God knows what while he's watching. It just seemed like, you know, yeah, uh, being surveilled constantly is is just like unnerving. I don't know. Yeah, because like I feel like this is another kind of layer to this post COVID thing where everyone's like quitting their jobs. Yeah, like I feel like if you're adding shit like this, like people aren't gonna want to work at McDonald's. You know, Unless you pay them more. I know the argument out there. If you're like surveying them all day. Somebody out there might be saying like, well, what's it matter? Like you're supposed to be doing your job anyways. Yeah. What, what do you care if like a supervisor is watching you? And I would say, you know, for me personally, I really don't care if a supervisor watches me. In fact, I would prefer to have a supervisor on hand available to like lend assistance, to communicate with, yeah. to build a relationship with. To maintain like a healthy work environment, I would love to have another person there. When yeah. I when I worked at Subway, what was so weird, by the way, is my boss was a freak. He was he was legitimately in and out of a mental hospital. Yeah. And I've told stories about this guy on the other podcast, on the Mega 64 podcast, but he would come into work sometimes with a gun. That never happened when I was there, but there are all these stories about it. Mm-hmm. And it was just this idea of that guy watching us. And we never knew when he was watching us or when he wasn't watching us. It felt very pervasive. It felt like being under the eye of a peeping Tom. Also, because we knew there was a secret camera in the main room, but we didn't know where it was located. It made everybody paranoid that there were other cameras in the subway. Yeah, and like the bathroom, which literally made all of the female employees afraid to use that bathroom. Because none of them put it past that guy. No, yeah. Watching them in the bathroom. 100%. And I feel like having a nameless human in another country monitoring you is, that's not like a work relationship. That is kind of like a toxic relationship. I just think that's really unhealthy. Also, it's like contracted out too, so they have no attachment to anything. Like that's just, yeah. When I used to work at City Bike, they would have an app that we had to download where it would give them your location 100% of the time. Yeah. And you could only clock in if you were in a certain area. <laughs> and that felt like really, uh, I guess, Orwellian to me. Like that shit was scary. It is Orwellian and it is scary. And I will tell you why I think the problem is, is because that breeds a work culture where they will literally accept anybody and they'll accept the most garbage human beings, regardless of your rapport, regardless of your, you know, I feel like more and more they are removing the humanity factor 
from the employment process. Yeah, just make it robots, man. Like, have the government, like, give us, like, do what New Zealand does, like, give a, a, a certain amount every month and, and make the shit robots. Like, I, and if people want to work there, they can if they want to. Yeah, I think if you Sorry. can't, if you can't, if you can't <laughs> get an employee, on. if yeah. you can't get an employee who you trust, yeah, if you can't get an employee who can meet your expectations as an employer, you need to get better employees or you need to become a better employer. You need to like repair that work relationship and breed something healthy. Uh, I just feel like that's the ethical thing to do. If instead of doing that, you are implant implementing, um, these, you know, fail safe factors where it's like, well, I'll put anybody here because I have the camera watching them and I pay a guy in India to yell at them yeah. if they do anything wrong. That's psychotic. And um, one of the things in this article that an expert was saying is this is a problem. Uh, this is a solution in search of a problem, essentially. Yeah. Like, we never really had problems with employees at convenience stores in the past. No. It just seems like they're making shitty jobs even shittier. Yeah, I think we're in that weird in-between phase of making it, you know, uh, robots. Like, I think we're in that weird in-between phase. Yeah. And it sucks because, like, I don't want people to be out of work because of, you know, self-checkout or anything. But, like I said, what is that thing that New Zealand does where they, like, just pay people at a certain age? Yeah, they just have a social program where yeah. um, I, I think they have, like, a universal basic income program. Yeah, like, we need to do that and all the shitty jobs need to be whatever. Someone in the comments get real mad, but fuck it. <laughs> I'm done. Hi. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Grimes here. Why don't we have computers I like fix? Your British in your accent. Why don't we have what? What? Oi, crikey! Oi. Is Grimes here? Where's Gr Grimes from? She's from Canada. I think she's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do a Canadian accent. <clears throat> Oi, it's Grimes here. Why don't we have computers <laughs> fix global warming? Because that's not a vibe. We could do it, except the haters out there, they're not getting it. Communism is so easy. All it. All we need is robots. All right. My last Crikey. story is a uplifting, especially wholesome story. Uh, there's an elderly, the yeah. elderly zoo penguin with arthritis gets shoes to provide relief. I love that. Is there's, there a photo? There's, uh, I don't, there's a video, uh, which we don't have, but you can look it up for yourself. Yeah. Uh, coming out of St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis Zoo has a penguin named Enrique. Enrique. I'm, I'm going to put some spice on it. Yeah. Enrique. I'm not going to do it, but. Uh, who has arthritis and has been slowing down over the past years because it hurts his little penguin feet to walk some around. Pingu shit. Yeah, so they gave him special shoes to make his feet soft. And it looks Aww. like he has little penguin sneakers on. It's literally an old man penguin <laughs> with old, old man, man penguin sneakers. He's in a tuxedo. So, yeah, so he could like, yeah, it's like you're so old, you yeah. wear a tuxedo <laughs> with sneakers. Enrique's the old penguin and he's still kicking around. He's still entertaining he's the kids. It. He's just got some special shoes to help him do it. I, I'm about to start my uh, GoFundMe to get Enrique some uh, Jordans. Um, he's, a, he's over 30 years old. This penguin's almost as old as I am. I need to get Same. special penguin shoes. Yeah. Uh, them's the news stories for I this week. That's more videos. You're down. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, okay. Just want to look real quick. So this is my new favorite TikTok account that I found. Okay. And I'm afraid that he's going to start faking his videos. 
but this is the earliest one and i i think the the there's gold here this is a tiktok account called food puncher yo That's the food puncher. That's the food puncher. I love it. I can't like, I can't Yo. tell if it's fake or not. The the, the nacho cheese one seems so fucking real. Sorry, I just want to watch it again. <laughs> this one, that guy's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so shouts out food puncher. Um, should I keep going? Yeah, well, it's right. rapid fire. This one's called man learns different language after oh, reacting wow, to thunder. Hey. I'd slide down on the rocks, baby. It's dangerous to day. Where is he from? I think he's Australian, but I like, oh my god, babe, are you all right? Turn, oh my god, where are you at? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's what it uh, reminded me of being in Scotland. Yeah, he might be Scottish. I don't know. Sometimes that accent is so thick. I'm <laughs> thinking, are you even speaking English anymore? Dude, that happens to me when I try to watch that. The Lem I don't remember the guy's name, but there's a comedian that has a show on Netflix. Every time I try to watch it, I'm like, I don't understand. I understand like two words. Put the subtitles on. Yeah. Should I keep going? Yeah, man. Oh, dude. Gavin Newsom got attacked by a homeless person. Oh, God. This is just like kind of the aftermath of it. This shit was scary. Gavin Newsom, I've never seen him look more like a fucking like mob boss. You know, there's people chilling. About the paparazzi. Where is this? Sacramento, San Francisco? I think it's just downtown LA. This dude got fucking taken out. Go for it, no problem. No problem, sir. You attacked our governor! <laughs> and then look at it, so they took that guy out, and then like, he's just surrounded by people, and they're like, oh, let's go for a fist bump, and this motherfucker's like, yo, don't get too close. Just ice that fool. They're kind of This is getting detained. Scary. I guess. I mean, I'm not scared of a governor. I don't know. It's, his slicked back hair makes him look like a villain. I guess he just looks like a politician. They're all villainous. <laughs> they all look like that, except for Bernie. Yeah. I mean, that's why you got Bernie bros, because he's got the cool hair. He's got that cool hair. You got those mittens. Oh, someone sent me th this. Hello, darling. It's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, sure. Okay. Cool. What do you think of it, by the way? Can you read it? No, I, can I read it? Read it. <laughs> Oh, rate? Oh, no, I wouldn't rate it. I wouldn't rate it, but it, it, it would be at the top. All right, I would say. When Tarantino signed her foot. No words. There you go. He, he fucking signed it. Of course he did. That guy loves feet. Everybody, everybody knows that. He's got a foot fetish. And that's all I got today. That's like asking Ron Jeremy to sign your boob. He's in jail. Ron Jeremy is? Yeah. What's he in jail for? Don't tell me. I'll look it up later. Yeah, you and might cry. want to. Uh, believe it or not, I haven't stayed up on Ron Jeremy news. Yeah.
Oh no, not the what they call him, the hedgehog. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, apparently. Wait, are we thinking of the same guy? I'm thinking the of porn the, the porn star. Yeah, who kind of looks like you. Fuck. No, don't say that now, because he's he's very much in jail for heinous crimes. <laughs> well, that means somebody needs to fill the job, Johnny. That's what they call me, Long Dick Johnny. I'm here to fill the role. Oh God. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we're gonna. And this episode on a game of Street Fighter. Oh shit! Okay, uh, I, let's do it. Fuck it. All right, press start. All right, I'll all right, here we go, baby. Place your bets. Who's gonna win on this quarantine cast? Mega sixty four and Team Fighter Two Showdown. You're seriously going with E Honda? I gotta go lame. You kick my ass every time. All right. That's not true. Not when you're E Honda. <laughs> I haven't played this game in years. Look at this. I can't get this. He won't hit the move. Oh shit. He won't hit the move. There we go. There we go. Look, you're whooping Ooh. my butt, dude. All right, I'm sorry. Oh fuck. No, you got me in the loop. Fuck you with this shit. No! Yeah! You can't be E Honda anymore. It's too cheap. All right. <laughs> don't use the hundred hand slap like for once. What the fuck? I'm going to use everything in my arsenal here. Fuck you with this shit. What the fuck? I have to use it. You're so, you're so cheap with that. I don't even know what the fucking buttons are. Oh, look at this shit. Look at this stupid <laughs> hand. Here it goes. Oh, no, bro. you threw me. Daigo uh, shit. Who would have thought Johnny would have won that round? Justin Wong, hit me up. I'll give you some pointers. That's bullshit. All right. Well, that concludes our episode for Mega 64 and Teen. Wait, did I win the, the video, the, the board games champion chip? No. What? Fuck. All right. Never what are you mind. talking about? Never mind. Uh, do you know something I don't? This <laughs> this you just literally ground the whole show to a halt by asking me a random question and then shutting up uh, awkwardly. I was wondering if it was like an open challenge situation where like you know you're a defending championship. How would champion? one random game of Street <laughs> Fighter make you board game champ? What board game do we play, Johnny? Uh, what board game? After the fact, did, are you now Stanley Cup champion as well? Are you uh, WWE heavyweight champion of the world? Are we just playing Street Fighter? And then after <laughs> the fact, asking if unrelated titles have changed hands? I don't think so. Okay. Nice try. Anyways, back to ending the show. Okay. Um, Johnny is today's champion, so you know what? He wishes he was board game champion. I wish. I want that um, fucking trophy. Life isn't that easy, Johnny. Oh, you have man. to really train and try hard to be the best. You have to beat the best. Uh, you can follow this guy. I'll do your promos for yeah, you. Yeah, do it. Uh, at Catboy underscore Slim on uh, OnlyFans, Pornhub, and angelfire.com. 
You can follow me at Derek Acosta only on Instagram. I'm not on any of these freak websites like this guy. And uh, that's our episode. Next week, we're going to be talking to the man himself, Kevin Steinhauser from Math the Band, Johnny's favorite band of all time. We're going to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. So tune in. And we're finally going to get to the bottom of what the heck is Flange Factory 5. It's very confusing. Tune in next week. You're going to find out all about it. Uh, that's our episode for this week. We love you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.